0: Welcome, it's Jeremy Allen Gould. I'm coming to you today to confirm between God and of man that in fact the rumors that you have all heard are true. I started this podcast because I freaking love music. I was privileged enough to book amazing artists and bands in the past, and I was lucky enough to stay in touch with many of them to this day. This is a place to hear their stories. Thank you so much for riding along on this journey, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, the rumors are definitely true. This latest episode of the Rumors Are True podcast. My name is Jeremy, and today I welcome Dusty Redman. You know Dusty from the band Beloved, Dead Poetic, The Almost, and his new outfit, Crenshaw Pentecostal. What an amazing conversation with Dusty! It was awesome to hear these cool stories, um, and just an awesome opportunity to talk to an incredibly talented individual. And I'm really stoked uh, about this episode. So. I hope you guys enjoy this latest episode with Dusty Redman. Hey, Dusty, thanks so much for coming on my podcast, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, good. I'm uh, stoked we could finally finally get this done after all the <laughs> hurdle jumping we've been
0: doing. I know. I know. Hey, man, life happens. I get it. I get it. Uh, man, tell me what's up in your life now, uh, just kind of what you got going on currently. Oh man, Uh, the same as everybody you've spoken to.
1: Just uh, approaching middle age, dadding, um, you know, working a real job, and um, you know, still trying to be as uh, creative as I can. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. What kind of job are you doing? Uh, So I work in the hospice industry, man. I'm like in business development. I don't do uh, any kind of uh, clinical stuff, but. Uh, the drummer in my current band right now he'd been trying to get me to come do this job for for years now and I was always like nah 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 man and uh, and then I was kinda like well what ex- exactly do you do? And he kind of told me it's like a really like awesome fulfilling job. So I'm like absolutely. I deal with just like families man. I'm just like a I'm just like a people person. So that's amazing. That, yeah absolutely. it's a really it's a really cool job man. It's a really you know, I've been dealing with like bandmates and 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 juggling relationships and stuff like that you know for most of my life so now it's just
0: like rewarding to be able to do something like that for uh for other people you know that's really cool that's awesome how you you know you just acknowledge through the years you've had you know these ups and downs and these pitfalls and it's kind of prepared you for what you're doing now that's really awesome it's just relationships man yeah, yeah man that's what it's about for sure for sure. Sweet man. Dusty, tell me growing up for you, man, just kinda tell me how music kind of came into your life and maybe let's talk about some influences, some records, some concerts, bands that kind of uh, you know, pushed you in the direction that you went. Oh, cool. So I had
1: I had kind of young parents um growing up. My mom having when she was sixteen, my dad, um my dad was just a little bit older, so like um You know, as I was younger, like thinking back now, it's just like, wow, you know, when I was 10, my mom's like in her mid 20s. And it's just it's crazy to think about, you know? Yeah. um, But so like my mom, um, she was like a country girl growing up, man. She was like in the Dwight Yoakam fan club and stuff like that in the late 80s. So like I was this little kid and I loved guitars, Cadillacs, etc. By Dwight Yoakam, I jammed that. But my dad, he was this like rocker this like high school rocker and like loved like he was super into the Grateful Dead. He was like a tape trader um with with a bunch of like stony deadheads and stuff like that. <laughs> um but he was also got me, you know, super into like Led Zeppelin and yeah. and just man just great rock. And I don't know why I just man I just started wanting to like soak up all of that that I could. Just like trivia about bands and like Learning more than you know, learning all the band members and, and stuff like yeah. that. Like yeah. I was the I was the kid in kindergarten who who knew like every keyboard player the Grateful Dead ever had. And wow. like just like just weird stuff like that, man. And I, I don't know why I gravitated to it, but I, I can never like not remember. Like I just I just can't
0: not remember music being, yeah. like, a huge part of the household, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, uh, when you? When did you start playing guitar? Like, kind of, when did that come into the, into the fall? I mean, man, really, like, early teens. Um, you know, I kind of had
1: some, like, youth group punk rock bands, you know, listening to, like, early, like, Tooth & Nail record stuff, like, the first, like, Poconaccia, MXPX, like, w- wanting to play that stuff, just like, I can't play fast enough. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just like learning like melodic punk rock and stuff like that, my parents got my brother a bass and got me a like this you know Strat copy guitar and um, I don't know man I just I didn't really do lessons I didn't learn anything until uh, really getting in a band because by that point you're like oh no I've done lessons it's cool I know what's up guys let's let's do this band <laughs> um, and then uh, you know they call my BS and uh, yeah kind of going to go with it.
0: Yeah, for sure. What's uh, what were some of the bands um, like maybe hardcore or metal or all that stuff that kind of influenced you uh, in that time where you kind of went the direction that you went? Yeah, so that time was like, I mean, that time really quickly
1: tied into kind of the beginning of Beloved. You know, Joe Mustin and I were were really good friends, and we were both like like so. I was super more like more into like goatee hook and and like the punk rock yeah the the rock side of like tooth and nail and i like some solid state stuff but joe was like super into solid state yeah yeah so um yeah for me man it was really like i'm trying to think of the albums like i really jammed on like i mean really any of that stuff tooth and nail was putting out like i gave it a shot i bought it yeah, you know, um, saved up to buy the Tooth and Nail big box set that came out. Oh you know, yeah, that was great. For like, I think I think like the Christian retail price was like twenty seven hundred dollars or something like that at the Christian bookstore. Yeah. <laughs> um, no man, but I, uh, it, it was all that. But but being friends with Joe, like he'd be like, oh dude, this this second zao record is is really sick. You should check it out. Yeah. So just you know, being sixteen and riding around in my car and like listening to these like tapes and CDs and stuff, it was it was all of that. And really like the, the Tooth and Nail Solid State stuff really just kind of like kicked it off. That was just yeah. like all of that really tied in. Like me taking guitar a little more seriously, like hanging out with with Joe and 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 Matt from Beloved, like. I don't know that, and then like paired with like high school skateboarding culture, it was just like the perfect time, I think.
0: Yeah, man. You know. Um, was there any particular shows that you got to see at that time? That kind of uh, I, I'm assuming it's kind of those bands, but was there any particular bands that you were like, man, I want to do this? Man, um,
1: so like really with that kind of scene, I think, like so, our we had we have this theme park in Charlotte called Carowinds, and yeah. they would always do like the Christian music days. But they would do like two or three of them like in a summer. And one would be more like contemporary. Yeah. You know, it'd be like Michael W. Smith. It's <laughs> like, man, that's what a fun Saturday. <laughs> but uh um, but then they would have ones that would be like alternative, and that was like right at the peak. I mean, yeah. that was like the peak of Tooth and Nail and like all the other labels that were kind of doing that type of stuff. You know, Forefront had some of their like rockier bands. And, yeah. Um, dude, it was awesome. Cause it was just like it was almost there's almost like cornerstone festival in a day in north carolina so you know i remember like riding a roller coaster and looking over and it was like the dudes from the supertones were on it so i mean really like being able to see these like bands seeing like goatee hook and then like i think maybe later going to cornerstone for the first time and just being like you know i'm 16 hours away from my family and i'm seeing all these bands like these indie bands that I've listened to. Yeah, I think, I was just like, man, like I saw Goaty Hook at, at Tooth and, maybe it was Tooth and Nell Day one year. Yeah. They came out dressed like cops at Cornerstone <laughs> with like lights on their amps. And it was the, I was like, this is the freaking coolest thing. And they came out and they just started, it was when they did that covers album and they were like playing like the cars. And everything, yeah. this is awesome. And then going to see like Havelino Rail Company. Yep. Um, man, yeah, just All of that era is, like, so so special. I don't know if I can, like, really pinpoint, like, an actual concert or, like, a certain band at that time. But it was really just, uh, maybe just almost like that, just that whole experience of that scene.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You mentioned uh, Joe and Matt. Where where did you meet those guys? Uh, I guess, kind of, maybe talk about that a little.
1: So, Joe, like, we found out we're kind of, like, second or third cousins or something like that. But really, like, I mean, dude, it's a small town. Everybody's a second or third cousin in Kernersville, North Carolina. But uh, first day of sixth grade, uh, Joe came in to my homeroom class because we had a mutual friend named Jared Church. Um, And... Joe came in. He's like, "Look what I got!" And it was Tim McGraw's "Indian Outlaw." <laughs> like, not at all. But like, dude from Advent should be packing, right? Right. But, um, right. Yeah, I was like, "Oh man, my mom loves that tape." <laughs> so we just started. We just started talking, and we kind of just became friends there. Um, I met Matt later in seventh grade. He had been friends with Joe and some other mutual friends, and Matt was just like this little headbanger dude. And Matt was, like, the smallest kid in, like, the whole grade, but he would wear these, like, big, huge Metallica, like, puss head shirts, (laughs) you know, that had, like, the little guy with, like, middle finger up and stuff. It was cool. I was like, yeah, Matt's awesome. He came to my seventh – I remember he came to my seventh grade birthday party wearing that shirt, and I was like, oh, man, like – my Christian mom's gonna be bummed, but she didn't say anything, so that's a cool. lot.
0: That's hilarious. Um, that's
1: amazing. but yeah, so Matt, but everybody knew Matt could play guitar and Matt yeah. knew Metallica riffs, so yeah, that was kind of like that was maybe kind of like the first start that like seed,
0: yeah, yeah. Kind of- well, let's talk about beloved, um, and how that kind of you're talking about growing up with these guys, which is really cool that you guys are all on the same page at some point, yeah you know, musically and whatnot and and the direction you went. So let's talk about kind of the beginning of beloved and, and kind of maybe how solid state kind of came into the picture after you've uh, talked about that.
1: Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So really beloved, like fast forward up to high school, close to our senior year, um, Matt and Joe and, uh, John, this dude, John Brim, um, and another guy named Josh Deaton were starting a band. Oh, and our friend Sean Dallas was playing guitar. Um, maybe Matt – that's right. Matt wasn't involved at the start. That's right. Matt came later. Sean Dallas was this other guitar player. Great guitar player, super rad dude. Um, they were wanting to start this heavy band that was like super into like – just like Spitfire, just yeah. like kind of noisy metalcore. Um So they're like, "Oh, dude, you should come play," and I'm like, "Yeah, again, back to the BS. Yeah, I can hang with that, dude. (laughs) I couldn't hang with that, man." But uh, so, like, I remember like coming to one practice and um, they were playing these like these riffs and stuff, and I was like, "Oh man!" I was like, "Well," they're like, "Well, what do you like?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm really listening to a band called Boy Sets Fire right now." Great record. So yeah, so I was like, listening to like After the Eulogy, I think had just. I love that record. Um, so I was just like, man, like kind of like (laughs) covering my butt like maybe we should kind of like do both of these things together like yes yes like in my head i was like dude i can't play like these wild riffs and stuff like that but i really want to be in a band with these guys so kind of like quickly the band like turned guys left josh and sean left matt came in um we get through like kind of senior year man and we kind of do 10 songs we start playing a bunch of uh, shows at like my church and churches around town. And um, it's okay. You know, I mean, like the yeah. weekend start cool. Like we're, we start getting like 100, 150 people coming eventually. Again, all part of that kind of like skateboard culture and just like making flyers and like, handing them out all week long for yeah. a Friday night, posting them at school, watching teachers and administration tear them down just for us to put them <laughs> back up. Um, but uh, it, you know, just like, riding this little hype machine, like, in our in our town. Um, so, like, we kind of rode that for a little while, recorded those songs, um, and then, I don't know, kind of grew a little bit, and then we went to go record a demo. Um, we were like, this is the demo that we're going to send to Solid State Records.
0: Was that the primary
1: label that you were aiming for? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there were others. There were, like, you know, there was... You know, we loved stuff, like, at, at that point, stuff like Militia Group. I mean, it was still kind of, like, in that Christian-Christian adjacent scene. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. we loved, like, we thought, oh, Epitaph would be amazing. Vagrant would be so cool. But those were just, like, you know, we had no ties. Sure. Um We had a friend in town who had just joined that band, Ace Troubleshooter. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we had a tie. Like, we had a connect, right, to Tooth and Nail, It ended up not being a connect at all. But, um <laughs> I don't know, man. Like we, we started doing some shows uh like out of state in Georgia, South Carolina. We'd leave like on a Friday after school and go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to a club called uh Slacker seventy seven. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and this dude Jeff would like put on shows there. And one night, man, he uh he he put us on with a band called Ludicrous. Wow. And I had seen them that's right i had seen them a couple months before at a random show in south carolina and i was like okay yeah these guys like are wild you know they're a little like on the new metal side for us but you know they're wild it'll be cool it'd be cool show and we ended up just hitting it off with all those guys man it was awesome um so then we kind of get that that five song demo recorded that i was talking about um which later became the running ep yeah yeah. was it we recorded it in town with our buddy Jamie King and um, like it, you know that was just kind of like our vessel at the time alright these songs show what we are now you know we're friends with this band Ludicrous. they started getting us to come to Atlanta more um, doing shows with them and then we got to where we were kind of doing Atlanta shows without them the promoter there really liked us Barb yeah. McBride she would put us on just like awesome shows with like Branson and Squad Five O, or yeah. whoever was Project Eighty Six, you know. So we're just like, oh man, we're just kind of starting to build it. Um, and uh, at a certain point, we met. I'm trying to remember how exactly. I mean, I guess through Norma Jean at a random show, we met the guys in Underoath. Wow. And um, I remember they were like, oh, we need to show this to uh, to Chad from Takehold we're like, oh, okay, that's cool, that's cool. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, so fast forward, Chad gets it, puts us on Furnace Fest, like the first Furnace Fest. We play underneath a water tower out there. Not, I mean, yeah. I guess it was kind of stage, you know, but we played there. And I, like, recently kind of when we were – you know a couple years ago when we were talking with chad about doing furnace again i went to my parents house and found photos wow from um, that show and it's like looking around and you're like dude there's like i don't i can't It's like living sac bruce from living sacrifice or like all these other bands are just like around like in the so background like watching us and you're like holy crap like funny. had no idea at the time um so um blasting through you know i've kind of told the story before but like chad ends up wanting to sign us he wants to sign us to take hold but at that time brandon was acquiring tooth and nail sure. brown so we kind of came over in that man yeah. um and i remember um sending that ep off to bill power when Bill still worked at tooth and nail. And I thought that that was such a freaking big effing deal. Oh yeah, yeah it was. I, was. I remember going, I was like, I'm writing bill power, like on the, the thing <laughs> on the box of CDs. That's to awesome. send to him. Um But uh, dude, I mean, it was cool. We got Josh and I flew out. It's the first time I was ever on a plane. Josh Moore and I flew out to Seattle Met with Brandon, stayed in Aaron Sprinkle's basement. Unbelievable. Which is really funny because I didn't get to meet him at the time, and I like really wish I did because we became such good buds. Um, but uh, yeah, man, it just it it's crazy now. Like just trying to like verbalize it, thinking back like the whirlwind of like, just a few years of
0: all of that yeah. happening. So yeah. Um, in that time, were you playing with like hopes fall and that new or that North Carolina like between the buried me prayer for cleansing? You know all that yeah, whole- like prayer, prayer was kind of
1: like we kind of fell in this gap, kind of like at the end of prayer, right? And then. Later in Beloved's career, that's kind of when Between the Buried Me was kind of starting. So we are kind of like in this little gap there. But, yeah, we were doing stuff with Hope's Fall, playing in Charlotte with them. I mean, for us, like those guys. Yeah. It's like Hope's Fall and then Code 7 from Wisconsin. Code 7, dude. Yeah. Like Code Seven's from our town. So, like. Oh, okay. I didn't really that. That was like those guys were like, gods. like our, yeah, like our dude. local gods, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we got to
0: play when they put out The Rescue. We played their mm, album. That the record's part. so good. It's awesome, man, dude. And Dancing Echoes is like a masterpiece. Like, it's dude. great, dude. My buddy, my buddy Jeremy
1: Griffith texted me. Oh, I know this... Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared texted me this morning. He's like, Code Seven guys are in my studio right now. We're, I, we're like... I heard
0: that. I heard. Yeah. that. I, I yeah. did... actually, I, I caught wind of that as well. That's so yes. cool. I, uh, I that. was so pumped. He texted me. He was like, Oh, I'm d- working with a local band. You might not know. That's amazing. I yeah. actually, I actually texted him and I said, Code Seven, and he said, You don't want none of that. <laughs> he just texted me. <laughs> I love growth. he's hilarious uh, yeah I love him man but yeah so
1: those guys those like Hopes Fallen Man and Code 7 were just like for us yeah. like, those were those like we would write songs and be like Oh, I can't wait. To, uh, hopefully, like the Code 7 Dudes and the Hopes of All guys think, think this song is cool, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. It's cool that you kind of, uh, it's crazy that all three of you guys were extremely similar, or, uh, guys, your bands were sim- extremely similar musically, really, if you think about it. And it's not too far off the beaten path. And it's crazy that you're all in that condensed little area. Yeah. And it's like records and bands that like influenced a, a whole nother generation of of hardcore kids or whatever you want to call it you know i think that's so cool that that whole area is just amazing in general you know dude i mean just like yeah like that kind of like
1: melodic hardcore and whatever but then not to mention yeah like prayer for cleansing undying like catharsis like the metal side yeah that we that north carolina had man it's yeah it was really awesome man it was really awesome just being able to we had such a great scene um mainly thanks to uh this guy dave owen who was in code seven for a long time yeah you know he was like the local promoter man i mean jimmy world played in winston like on static prevails tour yeah for like four people get up kids coming through like at the drive-in you know it's just like amazing 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 shows you know which is it's just wild so we were super lucky
0: that's really cool i it's it's funny i Love hearing stories like that because I, you know, I kind of grew up all over too, and I had kind of a little, uh, but I had the same thoughts and the same, like, this is so cool. Like, I, I, just, I don't know, there's something cool about just the reminiscence or the nostalgia of these bands that just influenced a ton of people, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a lot of chances of
1: that, uh, oh, I saw these guys, <laughs> with four other people, yeah. like 13 other people have that same story, and you're yeah. like, Who's yeah. Cool? It,
0: um, it doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the math doesn't work, man. That's hilarious. Um, you mentioned the running EP. Uh, maybe, kind of, give me your thoughts on. Uh, I know you said you recorded with Jamie King, and and uh, how did that go? Was it was it pretty simple? Was it quick? Was and I was curious when you heard the final, um, you know, version of it. What were your thoughts?
1: Um, for us, it was a huge step, like sonically, right? Like recording with Jamie doing that. Um, also, I should mention, like, we – I skipped over in that, like, whole soliloquy I did there of, like, that whole time frame. We were – we did put that record out on a label called Vindicated oh, Records. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. That. Uh, Kristen, she was just a friend of ours from upstate New York, and her and a couple of friends, like, they put money into it and, and like, pressed those for us. And that that's was, so like, cool. super cool, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, so – you know, cool enough, like, it was our property, though, so we were able to, you know, release that once, we, once we signed with Tooth & Now, which was funny because I don't know any other band that literally released their demo for that label as their first release on said label. Yeah. Which was, like, I don't know, it was pretty cool. That is um, But, yeah, like, recording it, like, it was just awesome because we did those first ten songs. We did them with Jamie, too, but then once Matt joined the band... Um And Josh kind of became more of the clear like singer of the band. We just we really kind of found what we were doing. Yeah. Um At the time, we're like this really this really kind of captures what we're doing a lot, like at a live show. Which, look, looking back, I, I mean, I don't know if it really did, but for the budget that we had and that we did it for, I, I think I think it did an awesome you yeah know absolutely. job at the
0: time too. You know, for a bunch of sure. like teenage years i think it was cool absolutely that's cool yeah i think it's fantastic um yeah let's uh go on to failure on um amazing record i'm sure you're extremely proud of it um just kind of your thoughts on that record and kind of how that uh how long after the running did you i guess was it a year or so after that or kind of just talk about uh, the process of that yeah, so we somewhere in the in the way there, John, our
1: bass player, left, and uh, we got a got a guy named Mitch Britt for just a little bit, um, and then Johnny Smirdel came in and was our dude on bass, um, and then we were all like in full lockstep at that point. Um, I'm trying to think like actual time frame from like the Tooth and Nail release. We kind of put that out. I'm trying to think when it actually came out on Tooth and Nail. I should have had all this stuff together. It came out, I think, like within like a year or so. Sure. We kind of were getting ready to get back in the studio. We had all the songs ready. I was going to say, yeah. Were they all ready? We had had most of the songs by the time The Running was out because we had been touring on The Running for a while. It had been riding with Mitch and then Johnny. So we had probably all but like a couple of the songs by the time we signed Tooth and Nail. Um, and then, uh, <clears throat> which is crazy. Like it got released in June, uh, 2003, actually there's a 20 yeah. year reunion. It's like crazy. For, not reunion, but anniversary, I suppose. I guess we're reuniting with it if you listen to it. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, what the, the crazy thing, I don't know if I talked about this on the label podcast that I did, but like we were supposed to record that with Brian McTernan. Crazy. Um, yeah. Which that's who we wanted, right? We we're like, oh man, he just does amazing work. Like we, we really yeah. love like, all of that stuff. And um, so we were, I think we were like kind of set to go with him. And then at the last minute, something happened. He had gotten double booked, um, <laughs> with thrice doing the artist in the ambulance. Unbelievable, which is incredible, right? I was like, all right? Yeah, he did the right one. He did the right one. <laughs> so we were scrambling because we knew we had to go into the late into uh, the studio um, in the winter of 2002 yeah yeah like like after christmas break like january so um we uh i remember chad calling me i was like hanging out with joe we were getting pizza on like a friday night or something we're at the video store like renting a video i remember like chad calling me he's like hey we got to figure this out like right now i was like oh okay um he was like do you guys want to go work with um garth richardson and i was like garth richardson and i told you like i just kind of been that like Kid who just like knew, yeah. you know, I just paid attention to stuff like that and like paid attention to producers like growing up and everything. I was like, dude, Garth Rich, like Rage Against the Machine, Garth Richardson. He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, I think we can get him. Um, I think it would be cool for you guys to go in. I'm kind of trying to sell that on all the guys in the band because Garth had also done some stuff that was a little more on the, the new metal side of things. Sure. And so we had, we were a little like, <sighs> not concerned about going with him because dude's like the most pro guy ever and yeah he just platinum records all over his wall um so it kind of took us like a little mental convincing to do it um but we did it um fast forward a little bit we get up to to vancouver (laughs) british columbia which is wild man i bet it is yeah so we're like flying up uh we flew up to seattle hung with the Tooth and crew for like a day or two, and then they drove us across the border. Um, And then we went in, dude, for like two and a half weeks, something like that, and just pounded this record out. And like, you know, no offense to Jamie King who had done the other stuff, but that was like, we had done it at that point in his parents' basement. Yeah. But now we're like with this guy, and we're like, you know, I'm just like talking music with Garth, and he like gives me a nine-inch nail cd signed by trent Reznor that trent gave him Wow, you know um just this absolute legend and like working in the most pro environment possible yeah um but we were broke dude we had like no money in the studio my parents had to wire us like i think they wired us like a thousand dollars or something wow we went to, like, a Western Union or something in Canada and, like, coming back and had all this, like, colorful money. I was like, dude, this is, like, four days in. I was like, we actually do have money to eat. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, Because, like, we just, like, we were so excited. It's like we didn't even think about how we we're going to survive for this time. Yeah. But, man, like, we get in there. We lock it down. We make this record um, that is just, like... It's like It was like machine-like in the way that we recorded it. Like, everything's perfect. There's yeah. no notes, like, out of tune. It is, like, a very, like, produced, like, kind of hardcore album, which, like, we were worried about. But I think that's the thing that, like, going back and listening now, like, really helps it, like, stay relevant, too, like, sonically. Absolutely. It still sounds, like, really sounds unbelievable. Incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and dude, and like a huge part of that is J.R. McNeely mixing yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Same thing, same kind of thing happened. We scrambled to find a mixer. Like they, that just, they, it, like I don't know if Tooth and nail dropped the ball or what, but nobody, like some people, there's a miscommunication somewhere. Yeah. So last minute they're like, well, we can send you guys to J.R. McNeely. And uh, so I remember like we played a show, MacRock Festival in Virginia. Yeah. We played We played this big college radio conference. And I'm trying to think if this was the year. The first year we played, we played like right before Avell and Fugazi, which was wild, right? Whoa. Seriously. Um, But then that second year, I remember like we broke down on the way up there. We hobbled to the show. And it was like us, Hope's Fall, uh, American Nightmare, and Converge. Oh, my God yeah dude just unbelievable unbelievable so <laughs> like the, the pictures from the the show were like our friend james took these amazing photos but it was like the jane doe banner was behind us while Unbelievable. We were, so it just made us feel even like that much cooler um but like so we, we i remember that night because uh we ended up having to get J- like johnny's car brought up to us up near DC, we all cram in this like Ford Escort or something, come back, I sleep for a little bit, wake up, Josh Moore, uh, Matt and I, I think. Yeah, Josh Moore, Matt and I drive to Nashville to go start mixing the record with JR, who we had never met, like kind of only knew of some of the stuff he had done. Um, and then I remember like he mixed, I think failure on my lips first. And he he was like hey check this out and we're like holy crap yes whoa and uh he was just like the perfect fit
0: yeah he's great dude he's a powerhouse
1: yeah i used him a couple times later like on other stuff we did with like no trepidation at all at that point the dude's just an animal so like that record just like it came out the right way like every you know every process has got like bumps and stuff along the way and um that one just came out i think like, the way it was supposed to. It would be amazing to hear
0: what, like, Brian, a Brian McTurnan
1: version of that record
0: would have sounded. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Know? No, totally. Um, did Garth have, uh, production-wise, did he add a lot to the songs, or did he just let you guys do your own thing? So Garth, like, it was, like, school for both of us, I feel like. Like, we took Garth to, like,
1: cred hardcore school, kind of. And he took us to, like, <laughs> adult... Like, adult music school (laughs) really like this is how music's produced dude um like he had just finished doing like trapped and chevelle you know huge radio albums and uh but uh he couldn't have been cooler like i still like we still message back and forth about the nhl he loves toronto maple leaf so you know we'll, we'll talk shit back and forth to each other about sure. hockey and stuff but he uh there was a little push and pull he his big thing i remember was more on the vocal side um a lot of producers will really lay into that like vocal side of things like engineers handle more of the musical side you yeah. know yeah. so i remember him like i remember joe coming out of something like a vocal night and he was like dude garth's in there trying to get us to do these like branson harmonies he's like and i just don't think it's gonna work man i was like we'll just talk about it and i was like let's show them the records that we like and it would be things like uh we'd never recorded with a click track before Mm -hmm. and so our songs would be on the right tempo, right? Until we slow down to get ready to go into a breakdown. Yeah. So I remember him, like the guy editing it, he he goes in when he's comping everything and everything's locked on the click, right? So these breakdowns wouldn't slow down. Everything would just be on the same tempo and a part that would be like supposed to be heavier was like sped up to the tempo of the rest of the song. And it was just... It was a little push and pull, you know, back and yeah. forth some of that, but um, nothing crazy. I mean, like, a lot of it just stemmed from ignorance on our end of just sure. never doing anything like that before. Sure, sure.
0: Um, looking back on it, and I, I know, like I said, I feel like you sound like you're proud of it. What What are your thoughts on the record, um, you know, looking back on it now? Dude, I, yeah, there's like...
1: I don't know if there's really anything i would i would change on it man it just it's just a highlight of like a really special time with like my best friends at the time yeah you know i like go back and look at photos or any kind of video we've got from any any uh, any of that time and it's just like super special you know so i feel really lucky that that's like you know my first real band yeah very cool what's your favorite song on the record um, rise and fall probably. That's probably my jam. I think just great like song. it's got it's got some really cool like crescendo and like emotional like build to the actual music. Yeah. Um, and I really like it. And it yeah. gets, like like the heaviness stuff was like never my like if it was heavy that's cool that wasn't really my thing. But man, I don't know. I just I really really like that
0: song. Yeah, it's great. It's a good good song I, overall. Like I said, I'm I'm really glad that you I, I, the sound of the record as a whole like you said, it just sounds incredible and it, it is probably the reason it's lasted this long in, in that aspect so that's cool, that's very very cool Yeah. Um, touring, you started touring right after the record I assume is, is that kind of what 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 it was like and who did you kind of tour with around that time was that like the Gosh. solid state tour or a lot of that yeah that the one
1: the one big solid state tour we i mean dude we were touring like 10 months out of the year Gosh. i mean i remember <clears throat> i remember one tour we did that was really cool i was just um i was listening to an interview with dallas green from alexis on fire the other day on the working songwriter podcast and um i was just like man i was like that dude like they came out with us on their first tour in america believe ever it was it was like us and them and remembering never wow. like, playing these vfw halls like across florida and the southeast and stuff and um but yeah i mean a lot of tours were like under oath me without you a lot of that tooth and nail thing yeah. me without you became like really great friends of ours Um, yeah their catch for us the foxes i think came out right around the time the running got released yeah because we were both those uh take hold bands that were that were like new products of tooth and nail kind of yeah um but yeah i mean really that that solid seat tour with with haste the day dead poetic us under oath and norma gene was was the wildest of that i bet it was i mean just like getting once we got rolling and starting to roll through texas and you're like dude we're doing two shows in one night i dude in the middle of
0: the summer and it was just crazy you know i I tried to book that tour i I actually i was living in wichita at the time and yeah i didn't get it i wound up just getting haste today on the way back and and then that's what started me booking shows and stuff so i definitely was I, i was craving to be at that Tour date or wherever you know and i, I just yeah. i heard nothing but amazing things about it i mean that was like the perfect tour at the perfect time yeah you know
1: um <laughs> dude, <laughs> the perfect tour is the perfect time so we did this we did one tour um with jer griffith um oh moments
0: was,
1: yeah which was like uh, a perfect tour at, like three months too early so it was like moments in grace us uh, my Chemical Romance oh. and Avenged Sevenfold. Oh my Dude, god. Dude <laughs> Just like a few months before like oh both those god. bands became the biggest bands in Rock and Roll. Like, or, or, moments it was Moments and then Us and then My Chem and then Inch. Oh, um And we were worried, you know, we were worried how that tour was going to go. Like, (laughs) dude, like, Avenge, like, moments were great. Those guys were kicked off. But Sevenfold and and Mike Kim were just the sweetest guys. Like, so cool. That's, Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I literally have nothing to say. Like, any, like, pretentious vibes I thought I was going to get off any of those guys, it was quickly just, like, shut down. That's amazing. Um, I remember we were in. West Palm, we are playing this show in West Palm. There's like maybe 100 people there. But I remember Gerard, like I walked by like the dressing room and he was like, dude, we got our mixes back from Howard Benson for three cheers, like our new record. So he's like, dude, listen to some of this stuff. So I guess I got to be one of the first people to hear wow. some of mixes, which is was, which was crazy because like I was like, this is insane. Like this sounds like a whole different level than I think like where they were as a band then. But they... I mean, yeah. they just, they went for it. But that's, that's like, while the, the Tooth and Nail the solid state tour was like perfect at the time, like this other one, like if you'd given that thing a year, it would have been insane,
0: you yeah. know? That's nuts. That's so yeah. cool. So obviously you're touring a ton. Is it starting to, wind, um, you know, kind of... <laughs> eat it you guys is that kind of what led to the end of of um beloved i I honestly don't know
1: yeah Um, i mean i don't know if it's really the touring that did it i mean because really like the touring was getting better and better sure like we finally started like i mean we weren't making like money money but we were starting to make a little bit of money and then um joe got married Mm -hmm. um you know and he was like the first of our friends you know they got married um kind of young and there was just like i don't know what was going on like we had some like internal pressure because we were trying to like write new songs we had just been touring so much sure that we were trying to cram in time to write songs and i don't like looking back it just none of us had any time to decompress yeah I think, to like just take a mental break from it We just stayed like in that mindset even when we were home because we were going back out probably a few weeks later so you didn't have time to escape it at all so i think you just you know you've got all the time in the world to write your first record but you've got about a year and a half to write your second one um and that put a lot of pressure on us man and we just weren't we just weren't getting a lot accomplished like nothing felt right like the last song we wrote for the record for a failure on was allure And there's no screaming on it. There's no breakdown on it. And we're like, well, is that where we want to go? Like, do we want to do this cave-in thing and go, like, space rock kind of? And we're like, no. I mean, we weren't really sure, you know? So pair that with, like, Joe's anxiety of being married and trying to, like, the idea of probably needing to make more money than he was making. I don't know, man. We did a European tour with Dead Poetic um, in the U.K., And we came home from that, and I remember having a meeting the day that dimebag Daryl got shot that night. Wow, Um, it's such a shitty day in my life. Yeah, (laughs) Um, but I remember having a meeting in my basement. Um, We always practiced at Joe's basement, but we were just hanging out. We all had a meeting, just trying to figure out what we were going to do, and we decided to break up. Wow, and that was it. And we just kind of stood by it, you know. which is weird, and I mean, like it was like the next day we just started planning the last show. Like, what were we gonna do there? Which was dumb because we probably could have just taken, um, just a, you know even a few months off
0: and re- recalibrated and
1: yeah yeah just reset a little bit, man. But that's all hindsight, you know. Sure. When it's all you've done for years and you and you're just like you feel like you're just kind of this little machine rolling, this like clunky little yeah half-broke machine rolling around like it's just what you do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned Dead Poetic, and I was going to ask you, is that kind of, how long after the breakup did you join Dead Poetic? Dude, it wasn't long. <clears throat> um, after we did the last show, it was a few months.
1: You know, I'd been talking with Brandon a bunch. I mean, we had been friends since that, since that Tooth & Nail or that Solid State tour. So uh, Brandon and I were really good friends, Brandon and Reich, and they were kind of in a similar position, you know. Um, they put out a really great record. Great record. Um, and then just kind of were, were trying to figure out where they were, you know, coming off that, that same tour that we came off. That was a really tough tour in the UK. It was like, I don't know, two weeks, one day off, all of us, all gear, all merch crammed in one 15-passenger van. My God, that sounds like a nightmare. Dude, it was a nightmare. Um, it was It was wild. But I mean... That's what you do, you know? But so I was talking with Brandon, and I was like, man, it would be cool to, like, what if we just, like, got together, and we did Dead Poetic, and we just started writing, like, the music that we just really want to write Yeah. with no preconceived anything, you know? Because he, like, I remember being on that tour, and we were listening to records by, like, Helmet and Handsome and Failure. Handsome's so good. Dude, Handsome's so good. I know. (laughs) but uh so but we were like what if we just like did that sort of yeah um you know just like for us so we kind of started talking about it and then i went up to ohio to hang out with him and zach and then they were like well we might get jesse sprinkle (laughs) drum for us he had drummed on new medicines so um he he was down So we're like, all right, well, let's go to his studio in Rochester. So I remember I would drive up to Ohio, hang out for a day, and then we would drive all night to Rochester. And we just start jamming. And then along the way, I was like, well, Chad from Dead Poetic was Josh the drummer's brother. So when Josh wasn't a part of the new stuff, Chad wasn't either. Um, Chad's a really great guy. But just at that time, it just – that's just – It wasn't to be, I guess. So we needed a bass player. I was like, hey, I got a guy. Um, The guy was John Brim, who was the original bass player for Beloved. Yeah. Back home in Curtisville. He loved that same type of stuff. So um, he he came up too, man. And we just kind of started clicking and riffing and writing stuff um, and like demoing at Jesse Studios it was really cool man we'd like write we'd just go into his studio room hit record and then just whatever we did that night was tracked um, and man we just started pounding out songs um, and like we were into it Tooth and Nail was into it yeah like, I was gonna ask we what where, where was their thoughts yeah, on it Tooth and Nail was kind of into what we were doing um, we were able to we got an engineer out that had worked with Sprinkle came out and uh, tracked some demos with us we recorded the first thing like we like properly recorded we and it's weird because i was thinking about this the other day there was some like third eye blind tribute album oh wow um and we recorded a third eye blind song together and i was like man this feels really good like we, cool. we we kind of know our lanes like what we're gonna do and um so yeah we felt good man so we started lining up next record like what would what would kind of become vices like it was cool going into a record with a guy like brandon reich at the helm like because he's such he's such a really great like thinker and i think he's a really great songwriter um and like he's an amazing visual artist too so he kind of conceptually got what he wanted to write about and he went after it right yeah um so it was really cool man um it felt good going into a record like that. Like that felt like an adult record. Like that would have been a great album that Garth would have kind of been stoked on, you know? Um, So uh, we, we get set for that to go in with Aaron Sprinkle. But then um, we had a friend named Sean Carano. This guy is a promoter, did all this other stuff like a hustler out in Sacramento. And I guess he had gotten new medicines to chino moreno from deftones and uh sean got back to us and was like hey chino wants to like write with you guys maybe produce a couple songs for the new record so we line it up man on the way like we didn't have anything like prepared like hey we want to do these songs with them so we go out to a studio called retrofit in sacramento we fly to california um I think we have, like, a, maybe a couple guitars with us or something. Nothing really. Um, and then we're, the plan is to go from there, um, drive up, rent a van, drive up to Seattle and start recording with Aaron Sprinkle. So we go for a few days, and I remember just being in the studio. We went, went and rented some gear, set up, got mics on everything, and we're like, well, let's just start, like, kind of jamming, you know. There's an engineer in there, and we're jamming on some stuff, man. And then it's like you look in the control room, and Chino walks in Good God. and that's when you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, like this is, I can't believe it. Like, I really can't believe it. And, you know, Brandon, he sent me, um, I think I posted like on my social media a couple months ago, but he had sent me videos, um, that he had taken from that, that time that I hadn't even seen. So it was really cool. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's so surreal that i almost forget about it at times you know but i remember just like sitting on a sofa and like writing something and him being like all oh, that guitar parts really really rad like let's build on that and i remember jesse was at like a Wurlitzer, they had like a little Wurlitzer or a Rhodes piano or something in the studio and he was playing something and chino was like dude let's take that build that hook put that guitar part with it so we start doing it and like we build this song and then he's like oh he's like he's like do you guys care if like i sing on it (laughs) so he goes and he sings stuff and i just remember like unbelievable (laughs) i can't believe it and i just you know it's like it's tough because at that time too i was still i still really miss beloved sure and i miss those guys and it felt it felt weird to still kind of be in this new thing you know you were cheating i felt like i was cheating a little bit you know and um, It's still in Dead Poetic at the time, still felt kind of new. Like, I'd done, we'd done like a tour the summer before, playing like new medicines kind of stuff. Just say, hey, new lineup, here we yeah. are. Yeah. But we did tour a lot. So that, it, it, it felt like it hadn't broken through as much, you know, as uh, that might have with Beloved. Like, we we toured so much with Beloved. So, yeah i'm in the studio there and and this totally surreal moment and like in my head i'm just like i can't wait to like call the beloved guys because they'll like, oh. this will be so cool um so man it just that was wild and then going up to the studio and getting to meet aaron sprinkle unbelievable and like we immediately i remember like talking to him on the first day and i'm like dude i'm gonna be your favorite like oh. and we just <laughs> dude we were in seattle for like two months it was the best you know um it was it was really cool i remember too and nail like they weren't even i can't even remember them being like super hands-on i think like everything was good yeah all the way through um but we just did it and had a, a great time making that record man living above a studio is like the coolest thing ever for two months because go down in the middle of the night and i would just like i remember i would like go down and i would like you know have a cocktail and i would put like headphones on and i would just go play drums to like ryan adams songs or something just like chilling out and it just felt like i was in this just like really awesome creative space and uh like with an album that was like coming together like to be exactly what we wanted it to be you know uh randy from project 86 helped engineer that record and that dude is such a genius yeah he's good like while I was never the biggest Project 86 fan, like I was such a Randy tourist. Yeah, that's what I've heard.
0: Like, I've heard he's amazing.
1: Dude, he's such a it's like Brandon, right? Just a really methodical person, like a really like great artist. Um, that's right. So yeah, we got that record done. Josh Wilbur mixed it, um, who just smashed it. So it's just like failure on sounded amazing, Vice's Sounds unbelievable. Yeah. Um, just we did it. You know, That's we cool. made we made that record.
0: Um, what's your favorite song on that record? Ooh. Man, probably paralytic
1: the one with Chino. Just because. I know. As soon as, as soon it. as as soon as his voice comes in <laughs> You're like, God Almighty, man. Like, it's that voice, you know? That's a blessing from God is what that is. <laughs> I think it is, man. <laughs> I think it is. Like, that's a cool one for me. Like, that's like, that's cred. That's cred time right there. That man. is.
0: That's so cool, man. What an awesome opportunity for you. That's that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, so the record comes out and you guys hit the road pretty quickly. Um, and then the, I guess what turns into the end of, of Dead Poetic?
1: Uh. So we... Um, I'm trying to think. We we toured after, before the record came out that summer, right? Um, playing a lot of these new songs. I think maybe we released a couple or whatever along the way. The record's supposed to come out around Halloween. Um, around that time, we'd gotten brand new management, brand new booking. We were booked by a guy that books like Metallica. It's Michael Arfin was crazy. We picked up... I mean, like we were... Like we're gonna ride this, we're gonna do this radio rock thing. Yeah, you know, it might not be the cred thing, but this is a we're paying bills, it pays and the bills. bills, man. So, um, we had a tour lined up. We were getting ready to go out with Red Jumpsuit Apparatus to do oh, like wow. full U.S. It was like right when they were hitting.
0: I think yeah, they. Went, I know a couple of you know, those guys. They're from. Yeah, me.
1: I think I think they went gold. Um, shh, shh, shh. their record went gold on that tour. Um, but then after that, we had a we were planned to go out with Lincoln Park the next oh summer. Oh my God. Um, which would have been insane, like total trajectory of what we were wanting to do. Um, two weeks before that tour, which is when the album was going to come out, um, Jesse couldn't do the tour, um, which was a, which really sucked. Yeah. Um, but we were trying to figure out, okay, well maybe we'll just get a tour to fill in or a drummer to fill in on this tour. Uh, but then Brandon that creepy marriage thing kind of snuck back in Mm -hmm. again on me right and brandon was getting married to his longtime girlfriend Lindsay, and he just kind of had his forrest gump moment man where he was just like tired of running you know and just wanted to go home i mean he was he didn't have to do the band you know for us like that was that was what we did yeah but brandon's like this insane graphic designer that didn't need to do the band sure and, and like, I know he fought with it a lot to, to hang on with it. Anytime he had second thoughts, I think he would think about the rest of us and like, all right, they're excited. Let's do this, you know? And, and that's, that's really awesome. But man, he just, he picked a really bad time to say he was wanting to leave the band. Um, yeah. And we just, we couldn't, they just, you know, at that point that was Brandon's band, Brandon and Zach's band. I never said that It was my band. That was Brandon sure. and Zach's band. Um but you know that we, we that we put out like a stillborn record pretty much yeah. you know you yeah. we know we were, we were done so that uh but again the same type of thing and brandon's talked about it in interviews before too like hey man had i just said give me a few months yeah you know in hindsight you know yeah. we probably could have done it but again man you know big situations come up and yeah things you've never handled before you 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 don't really know how to handle them
0: yeah and and not to be cliche but things do happen for a reason you know there's kind of those things you're looking back and what could have been or what might have been but it's like the journey that you've taken from there and the rest of the guys have taken it's obviously probably been a good thing in the long run you know you've been able to experience stuff and now you've got a family and they've got families and you know i mean you know ultimately we want you know like you said relationships we want things in our lives that benefit us not that you know concerts or records or music but it's like that can only take you so far you know you gotta yeah you know well, well check this so like while we were tracking with sprinkle i was like dude what are you doing
1: after after this death poetic record he's like oh well, aaron gillespie is gonna come in here and do a solo record wow so i was like all oh, right, so like I think I called or texted Aaron. I was like, yo, man, just half-jokingly, like, hey, dude, if you ever want to do some shows with this new thing, let me know, man. I'll come play guitar. I mean, we had been friends forever at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, So he was like, yeah, man, I'll hit you up. I'll hit you up. So, I mean, sure as hell, dude, he hit me up. Like, after he had finished recording that record, it was like, hey, man, can you do this? And I was like, literally, like, dude, this was three or, I don't know, maybe not three or four days, very close to the time that I found out Dead Podic was breaking up, I had to turn Aaron down for their first Almost tour, and uh, he was like, "Okay, all right, man, we'll, we'll get this other guy um, to play guitar for the tour." And <laughs> I remember texting him like, when Dead Podic broke up, I was like, "Dude, like, hit me up, man, hit me up." He's like, "Oh, oh we got my. this guy, Nick." Now, well, Nick only lasted that tour. Touring wasn't for him, so uh, he uh, Aaron called me back. I remember. Like at the beginning of 2007, right before Southern Weather came out. I think he came out in like March, April, yeah. sometime in the spring. He was like, "Hey, we're getting ready to go back out. Um, guy didn't work out. Do you want to do it?" And I'm like, "Hell yes! Like, yes. let's let's do this." So, um, he and he was like, "Yeah, look. He's like, it's going to come out. It's a partnership with like Virgin Capital and Tooth and Nail." No um it's like we're the first band they're doing this with a lot of money's going into it like it's gonna be awesome yeah. so dude, was pumped he's like here's the record learn the songs This is the first time i really had to cram a bunch of songs um and i was living in philadelphia at the time and yeah i remember uh i was like working a job man i was working uh my wife was a clothing designer for urban outfitters at the time oh, nice. and yeah and i was like working at their home office and i remember being like well guys i uh <laughs> just like I, like just a few months before i've become full-time i'm done with this band stuff and then i got this gig and uh, I was like, Yo, okay here we go um i'm gonna be gone for quite a while now we're gonna be doing warp tour in the summer and all this stuff uh, but it was awesome they were like yeah. come and go as you want man there yeah. it was it, you know god bless them it was really cool but uh yeah so like i i fly out i remember flying out to salt lake city that's where aaron was living at the time to uh to meet a couple of the other dudes in the band before we started this tour aaron was coming from an under oath tour he was going to be home for like two days before going out on this almost tour jay oh, yeah. the other guitar player in the almost was uh on tour with under oath, like teching at the time okay. so i fly I, like, I learned the songs on my own. I fly to Salt Lake City. I meet Alex and Kenny, the bass player and drummer. Kenny is 17, (laughs) and he's never been on tour. And here I am coming off just, like, just in, like, another just shitty band breakup and, like, at this point, I just felt like this, like jaded, old. Uh, I bet. You know, I felt like what was it like a uh, like Chet Steadman on Rookie of the Year, right? like <laughs> you know, just, uh, this just like haggard old, you know, dude in the bullpen. Yeah. but uh, It you know, I hang there for like a few days with him. We're jamming in this like uh, tiny rehearsal space. It's really just a storage unit. It's like the size of my office in here. Um, so loud. Um, just get by. We get by until Aaron and Jay get there. We've been playing half the songs wrong. You know, they get in, all right, we get it locked down, and then we head out on tour. Um we're going out with we're flying to no, we're driving. We drove from uh Salt Lake to San Diego. Started out on tour with Say Anything, Saves the Day. Oh my god. Which was rad, right? I bet S- it was. Super nervous though, like First show sold out at Soma in San Diego in the big room, and we'd played there with Beloved before, maybe in the big room like once or something with Azali dying or something like that. But yeah, um, it was wild. Um, and I remember being like super stoked because the drummer for Saves the Day at the time was my old friend Duraja, yeah. who had drummed, he'd been in Glassjaw for a little while. Yeah. He had drummed for Classic Case, Josh from Beloved. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's so I was like, cool. really pumped to see him. You know, it just it felt good. like I'm gonna be on tour with him for a few days. And man, like we just took off from there. You know, the record came out, went and did warp tour all summer, shot uh, like a m- music video for Southern weather. Like it started like feeling a little bit of that like kind of modern music machine that was happening, like the major yeah. label stuff. Yeah. you know, um summer hit I was on a bus for the first time yeah um you know we played jimmy kimmel show good lord which was wild Dude, the craziest thing the day we did that um it's at hollywood and highland where they filmed that in hollywood and across the street is like this outdoor mall and uh there's an in-n-out burger over there Mm -hmm. so jay from the almost an hour like dude let's go eat lunch after sound check so we we roll over there and there's a hot topic um and at that time, like our shirts and stuff were in there. We're like, well, let's go see if they got like our shirt in there. Um, but there's a huge line. I mean, like a thousand people lined like outside of this of this hot topic. And we're like, what is going on? So we call Randy, our manager. He he was back at the, the Kimmel set. And he was like, let me find out. He knew like all these higher ups a hot topic. And he was like, oh, dude, um, there's a signing going on in there. It's heaven and hell which is black sabbath with ronnie james oh Dito. my god and uh he was like do you guys want to get in and Jane i'm like uh yeah <laughs> yes, <dude." laughs> so we got to get in. we got to bypass everybody in line before this thing opened and we got like 15 minutes in there with like Iomi and 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 dude i got to meet ronnie james d you get a picture with him? with him i there's probably a picture somewhere i don't know i mean it's like camera phones probably weren't even that great
0: Times rules. Like I love Dio, man. He was the sweetest. That's what I've heard. Dude, ever. Have you watched his doc, That documentary? No, I, I. I know it's. I haven't got a chance to watch. It's incredible.
1: Excellent. My wife doesn't care at all about Dio, and she watched like that whole thing in a hotel room. She was Thank just you. like glued to it. Um, dude, amazing. And dude, to meet Tony Iommi, it was just, Oof. just what a crazy day for me. Yeah. Like, to finish. Unbelievable. Um, but like, yeah, like being able to do almost. Um, ride that Southern weather train. It was awesome, man. I mean, it just, that really felt like a machine, like beloved felt like, I don't know, man, just like, we were just trucking along. Like we were, we were like a Honda Accord, you know, a 1989 Honda Accord going as fast as we could down a highway. But like, we were like this like sports car with the almost comparatively, you know, at the time. And dude, it just, If it was awesome and super exciting to go into something like that after feeling like so dejected. Yeah. You know, a couple times. Like felt like I was burned
0: a couple times. I was like, all right, man. This is like karmic retribution, almost. Yeah, for me. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Let's so, talk about um, the Monster Monster record and the Fear Inside Our Bone. Let's kind of briefly touch on those a little. Um, you know, overall, I think they're both fantastic records. It's a um, did, how, how much of the writing in that did you were you, you was it mainly Aaron or kind of how Not really? One? Man, he was like super excited to go like really collaborative uh, for Monster
1: Monster. So we spent like three months in Nashville. sprinkle with this huge studio we got Sprinkle out of seattle to nashville and i think that's where he fell in love with it and kind of ended up moving but like uh dude it was great i mean it just felt like summer camp reliant k was in there doing a record uh with with another producer it was dude it was just amazing uh just a really special time and and fun to be able to write because we had been playing so many shows. The band was really tight. We were yeah. changing up some of the Southern weather stuff live, like doing our own thing. And we were feeling it, you know, and um, it, dude, it was super, super easy. Um, kind of took some of that and, and had to deal with a
0: little bit of the, the virgin Virgin was really yeah, trying. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, what, what, how was that? Um, yes. Being they they from on tooth and nail to, like, a major, you know? Yeah, so they were really trying. Like, they were putting
1: money into it, man. They spent a lot of money on that record. And um, I think at the time, they were just trying to figure out what kind of band they wanted us to be. Do they want us to be this, like, big Christian rock band? Or do they want us to be this big, like kind of emo mainstream rock band or they, do they want us to become like, like just more like a really just great adult rock band? Like, you know, and I think a lot of that was kind of, there just wasn't a lot of like true focus as to what was going on. Um, Not long after the record came out, like, I think I can't remember what happened, but that, that whole partnership with EMI and all that stuff kind of like fizzled, something happened. Hmm. Um, so like we got kind of like i don't know man like we i remember doing a lot of christian market shows after that where like we weren't doing hardly any at all on that with southern weather um yeah like we put out that single hands and i think it kind of took off um more in like a christian market sort of way and um they kind of that just kind of happened but we stay I mean we stayed super busy we toured like crazy through it I mean we had a Christian market booking agent we had a general market booking agent um we went to Australia a couple of times uh did this huge tour in Australia man with it's called Soundwave if it ever happened yeah 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 Yeah, my friends Evergreen Terrace were played that a lot yeah yeah so the year we did it was dude it was insane who was it was Faith No More um Jane's Addiction Jimmy World Paramore like anthrax, us, Meshuga. It was like, like I mean, dude, I, dude, I watched Eagles of Death Metal like every day. It was like I was so happy. Uh, That's sick, dude. It was just unbelievable. Like sold out shows in Australia. Super cool. Got to do just so we got to do really really cool stuff. Like that band was really like I just got to do the coolest stuff, right? That's awesome. Um, but then so uh, we go to record the record after that. Um kind of find out like we demo a bunch of songs um Aaron had kind of gotten into more of like a songwriting thing at that time started uh got like his own publishing deal Wow. started doing these like Nashville kind of co-writes mm-hmm. and um we found out this dude named Marshall Altman was going to produce our record like we kind of just like heard this is sort of what's going to happen and i think it all just kind of i think it was had to do contractually with a lot of his uh his publishing agreement sort of yeah. Like Marshall had to kind of co-write on a certain percentage of these songs and stuff. So Aaron had um, a lot of the songs together for Fear Inside Our Bones. Um, and Marshall was like, hey, we're going to do this record in like a week. Wow. You spent three months on on the last one. We're going to do this live. And so we we're like, holy crap. I mean, we, we didn't have like problems knowing that we were a tight band, but um, a bunch of new songs. So we spent a week doing pre-pro and then we did a week in the studio and um Aaron's first son was like seven months old I think at the time my son was three months old to so my wife and kid like we were in like a hotel room and it was like up all night while she was like nursing him and trying to keep you know it was it was just crazy it was like super wild whirlwind um but then like we 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 kind of made this record and it, it kind of came out um Strangely, too, like trying to do some Nail, try to do some, like, cool marketing with it. Um, I think Tooth and Nail was just in a weird spot, too. Yeah. At that time. So, yeah, man, that one kind of just like fell by the wayside. We did some a lot of Christian market touring after that. And then yeah. um, Aaron joined Paramore. And then we just kind of like <laughs> never heard back really uh, after that. Um, and then I think he did he put like a record out a couple years ago or something like that.
0: Yeah. Well, um, overall, uh, it sounds like you said it was a whirlwind. It was a lot of cool stuff. Um, when it kind of started to, you say fizzle out, how, how did you feel about that? Were you on to the next thing or kind <clears> of, <throat> um, I mean, honestly,
1: it kind of like the way it, it all kind of, I mean, I say it fizzled, but it, it was almost like, it was almost like a, an abrupt fizzle, I guess. Mm. Um, the rest of us were kind of just like, internally texting with each other like well, what's going on like are we gonna are we gonna do this like what's gonna happen management was kind of silent so we kind of got ghosted a little bit oh. um, with it so i mean but at that time man like my son was was a couple years old by the time this all kind of happened this was like 2014 and we've been doing a lot of flyouts, like weekend flyouts. Sure. But, I, like, I was kind of, like, myself, I was kind of finally at that point where I was like, man, yeah. I don't really want to go on the road for an extended amount of time. Sure. Right now, more. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I just, like, started working, like, a job and, and just being a dad, you know. Yeah. I, my heart was fine with that. Yeah. Um, that, that's cool. You know, I felt like I'd gotten to do all the stuff I wanted to do to really do i think i I was playing at my church a lot like joe uh for beloved we go to the same church and uh so like we were like writing a lot of music there i was trying to be you know i got my creative rocks off sure you know still able to do that but then um you know around uh 2017 early 2017 i got a call to put a a country band together for uh for this local girl, um, she's just modern country type stuff. It's not really my thing. and um, But I was like, okay. So, of course, I called Joe. Um, Joe's like, nah, man, I can't really do it right now. But here's a guy um, named Brian Norris. You should give him a call. So, I called a guy named Brian Norris. who I've never, like, tons of mutual friends. I never really knew him. Um, he's in. Got him. I called my old friend, uh, Zach Tilly, to play bass. Um and my old friend Jared Church, who was in my sixth grade homeroom class, <laughs> that was mine and Joe's mutual friend. That's so cool. Play bass. Jared's an amazing Oh no, Zach played acoustic guitar. Jared played bass. That's what it was. So um we kind of I kind of get this band together and we do these shows with this girl and the whole thing's super fun except for playing the shows. <laughs> like everything else is <laughs> everything else is the funnest part. So uh we uh I remember like we played we played a show with the Oak Ridge boys. Oh my. Bappa No, not Bible. <laughs> I know what you're talking uh, about. Papa Mau Mau or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we played with the Oak Ridge boys and that night I remember we're at a bar after and we're like, dude, we're done. Let's quit. Let's just let's just do our own thing. Let's just like write some Tom Petty songs and yeah. you know, do our own thing. So that's where Crenshaw Pentecostal started. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's it. So awesome. like we started doing that, man, and that like that felt great because, you know, I was taking a lot of the stuff like is contributing kind of with the almost, um but like really jamming on. You know, we all really love the heartbreakers, and sure. we just—I don't know—we're all adults, and and we knew what we wanted to do, and we just started writing like music that we really liked. Yeah, um, and that's what's God, it's crazy crazy—it's been six years of that. That's
0: nuts that's so, awesome yeah. um how often you guys play it? just did you do any records with it or are you just uh, shows? so we put like an ep out
1: like like all bands do we put an ep out <laughs> first check our ep uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but then man we just been releasing singles you know yeah. we kind of wrote through the pandemic and we just started like self-producing some singles and now like i mean um we got tied in with this guy thomas johnson uh, he works at a college around here he does, like the whole entertainment technology part and tj that's his nickname he he like engineered like everything rancid did uh from wow. life will not made on which is crazy tj was the uh he played keys with in porno for pyros oh wow yeah jane's addiction yeah so tj's awesome man he really helped us kind of get kind of get our shit together and, and get going so uh yeah, so we started doing some singles with him. We did like a video for a song called Bad Heart. Um and then yeah, man, we've gotten to do shows with like freaking awesome bands, man. Um that's cool. did we're buddies with like the Gin Blossoms, which is
0: super Oh my cool. god, I love the Gin Blossoms. Um, I saw them last year with Toad. Dude, it was oh, that's unreal. Cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um
0: so yeah, we got to do stuff stuff with them. Man, we
1: opened for Bon Jovi. Oh my uh, god. Last yeah, just over a year ago in raleigh at the arena what which, which was crazy um yeah man um so we got to do like cool stuff and it's great because like
0: we just do what we want yeah and you're not on the road and you're you get to sleep in your own bed
1: yeah dude just like there's no agenda you know it's so cool. it's, it's really awesome man so like we just we just put a single out two weeks ago called pretender and we're about to to do a video for that one i think like we've been try to scheme something up with with jesse from eagles of death metal about figuring something out so cool.
0: that's rad dude yeah that's i mean so cool, it's, just, man. it's just man it's relationships you know yeah too. man absolutely that's so cool um well i want to touch real quick before we close out i kind of want to talk about the furnace fest reunion uh beloved yes. um i know 2020 was a traumatic year for everyone and so i'm sure that was a cathartic uh opportunity for not only for you guys but for everyone that attended um you know let's talk about um yeah the furnace fest reunion and then we'll talk about the singles after that yeah awesome um so ironically one night man i was at my parents
1: house having dinner and i don't even at this point i don't remember it's that pandemic fog um before all of that stuff um and uh i got a call on my cell phone and it was chad johnson And he was like, hey, man, um, we're talking about possibly doing Furnace Fest again. Um, I have like a few guys that I'm doing this with. Um, You guys are the only band that were on all of our lists of like top five bands to to play. He said, would you do it? So we schemed together, um, Joe and Johnny and I. And we're like, man, it's going to take some convincing for Josh. Um, And it really didn't. We, we got together, we practiced to see if it, you know, still felt good. It felt amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, we locked on and, and did it. Um, and then, you know, like, kind of, I'll come back to it, but we did those songs in between to kind of get in the studio together and do some stuff. And, man, it just felt really, really, really good. Um, yeah. You know, probably this, I mean... I don't know you know uh, just looking back same type of thing it's like i wish we just would have taken six months off taking a year off yeah Back, you know back in 2005 or whatever but yeah. uh so yeah like we we get up to furnace fest and um it was just crazy like we we didn't bring a merch guy we we're like we want to do it all ourselves like if people are coming up, we want to talk yeah. to them. We, you know, we want to say thanks. So we did it, man. Like worked. We all stood, us five, stood behind the merch table with our wives. Like we're yelling out what size shirts we needed to get. So cool. We we sold every bit of merch, dude. The line, I mean, the line was really long. Like we stayed busy all the way up until. I mean, I had to leave like thirty minutes before we were on set or on, you know, on, on stage or whatever. But like. It was just unbelievable, man. Yeah. Just like it felt all the social media validation felt really good, but being yeah. able to be in person and um, feel it felt great. On top of just like seeing like all your friends, you yeah. know, being there the day before and just seeing all your just high school reunion. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. It was just the best. I remember like, like from <laughs> – I was out ironically underneath the water tower just like hanging out over there. And I see like Russ from Zao like walking over and he's doing like his hand over his brow Aww. thing. I was, like look at him, He's like, dusty. He? I was like, Russ. Aww, that's so and, like cool. you know, just like seeing everybody. It was just man. It was it. Uh, what a great weekend, man. Yeah. You no, know, like what. What a great! I've never, I've never been that nervous in my life. Wow! You know, it was really cool to have my wife Amanda there. Like she was like, "What's wrong with you?" She's like, "I've never seen you like this." Like I was like pacing up on the hill behind the stage, like up the furnace, like my palms are sweating and like, like uh, Def Heaven's playing and like I just I don't even remember them. I just like. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know? Um, yeah. Was it, like, Clark Griswold was like, this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy? <laughs> um, but like, so, uh, we, uh, yeah, man, we just get out there, and, and Chad, <laughs> Chad's like, I want to say something before you're set. So, like, the whole time, like, just bubble guts and being super nervous, and the whole place is full. I mean, it's full all yeah. day long, right? But, God, it's like you get on the stage, and all, there's – 300 people behind us and around us on the stage. And then the whole, the whole room's full. Um, And Chad's like talking and and, like the whole time it's just like nerves and blackout. And then we're like, start the set. And then it's just like muscle memory takes over, you know, like the rehearsals or all that's whatever. But it just, it, it felt like, you know, 20 years before or whatever. That's just so cool. ripping it and it was just dude just smiles i look at the videos i'm like i look stupid i'm smiling <laughs> all the time. like a ska band or something man. Um, but it was really cool but yeah like so yeah le- and leading up to that like we for years even during the failure on time we we're like dude we want to do a youtube cover we want to record a youtube song that's one band for us like we can all jam on all day. Absolutely. um and like a song to us always felt like what it would be like if you two wrote or covered a beloved song or something we're yeah like, yeah you know um and so we're like we want to record a new song or some new stuff before furnace us but like let's do this first yeah we haven't written anything let's just rehearse the song learn the song go in the studio and do it so like we go in and uh it's, I mean, uh, I, it popped on like my shuffle thing the other day on sounds music amazing. and it sounds so good. And Hello. Josh, Josh just sounds unbelievable on it. And I remember all of us, that was like the moment I think the other four of us were waiting for where we're sitting in the studio and waiting for him to go in the vocal booth and hear, like truly hear like what he's sounding like now, like singing like that. And, um, yeah it was just dude that josh is so good he's yeah his voice now is is better than ever it's not as like like i don't it's not as abrasive and strong but it's just like it's i don't know man it's like this like sweet spot now like hearing him on the furnace fest videos and the the last show that we did um in in winston it was just so good um so good to hear but then so that came out did that uh people seem to dig it and we're like, well, let's, let's write like, like let's tackle this freaking beast that like killed us years ago. You know? Down. Like, yeah. Like the next song, what do we do? So we start writing and it comes out super cool, man. Like yeah. we're like writing stuff and just, it felt like the old days like Matt would come up with a part or I'll have a part or, I got to figure out where I'm going to get in here, you know, with three guitars, it can be tough. And, um, dude, it just, the best came out really cool too. It's, it felt like, it still felt like us, you know, and I think, um, most of the people that liked our band before dug it. So, um, it was cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. So, um, any future plans for any beloved songs? Dude, I don't know, man. Like we kind of kept,
1: jamming after that like after we did the the hometown shows uh mm-hmm. those were insane you know having code seven play was Jeez. so rad right it's uh terrible. like I, I begged and nagged and nagged you know to get them to do it and they and they did it and look at them now they're working on a new record i uh,
0: know i can't,
1: um, can't wait <laughs> yeah so if anything comes out of all this i felt uh, like uh, I, yes well, you were part well, of it <laughs> I facilitated. no way um but uh you know, we kind of got together, and we kept starting to, like, put ideas together and everything like that. And then we just – I mean, honestly, we just kind of did it. Um, oh, we did do that show with Glassjaw oh, last yeah, year in Atlanta. Okay. We, we played with Glassjaw in Atlanta, and that was really – and that show felt great because there were no nerves there. Yeah. So, like, we came off that, and we're like, wow, that show was amazing. Like, we, we were just an opener on that set, you know, like, we just – went in and ripped it. it it was so fun and easy awesome. um so that kind of like left us feeling like all right man well we can do this at our own pace now yeah um but we we got home and, and started writing a couple more things and honestly we just kind of it seems like i think we just like silently shelved it for a little bit there's nothing uh that's been consciously said you know we're done again I mean i think we could pick it back up i'd really like honestly i sent johnny and joe a text yesterday and i was like guys like it's 20 years for failure on like i wish we had the thought to, try <laughs> to do something but i mean honestly that's kind of what that that the last go of things was it felt like a celebration of that sure. record really sure. so i don't want to be too redundant in it but no, it would it. be cool to at least maybe do another show this year but i don't know if that's really you know in the plans or anything i get
0: it I get it. Well, I guess that leads me to my last question. Uh, what's the future like for you? And I know you've got the Crenshaw uh, Pentecostal and family life and all that, but kind of tell me what what the future looks like for you.
1: Yeah, man. I think a lot of that, like for me, musically, it's just the Crenshaw stuff. It's like I love it. I, like I've, I've felt really creative with it, being able to songwrite and and now uh, Jeremy uh, as our bass player. Oh, who, like, dude, it's never a quiet he's, moment, right? He's so fun. <laughs> um, he's the best dude. I, I love yeah. Jared. Jared filled in a few times for us. Um, when Jared couldn't do shows cause he's in like 10 other bands, but like, uh, yeah, it kind of came time. We're like, man, okay. I guess like Jeremy really wants to do this. And so it's been like, that's been like super fun. You know, yeah. I feel like we're okay. We're, we're on a new cycle now. Yeah. And so like, I'm super excited to like write with Jared and, uh, just keep going, because, like, I really believe, like, in these guys, and, I mean, I really feel like with this band, like, we can do what we want to do, and work, that's okay, you know, and anymore. Like, I wouldn't know what it would be like to be on a band and a label, like a real label anymore, yeah. you know? Like, what does a label do
0: anymore? Yeah. Like, You're right.
1: But, uh, I don't know, man. My kids are, are, like, 11 and almost 7, you know? I've got a great job. Dude, I'm just, like... Man, I'm just like enjoying kind of being. I love hearing that, man. It's incredible. I'm back home in North Carolina. It's, dude. It's just, it's really nice, man. That's
0: really nice, dude. What about you, man? Well, just working, wife, life, job, the same usual. Just enjoying life as well, man. I I can't complain. I've got a good gig going on. So, uh, being a yeah, Jacksonville, and uh, yeah, man. I, I can't complain. I really, I love hearing. I can tell in your voice that you it's like a genuine thing, you know. I think that's so cool. And and yeah. when we get to that point in life where, you know, it's things are clicking the way they need to be clicking in terms of, you know, having a family and having all these beautiful things and you have to be grateful for I think it's an amazing thing to value and, and never forget. So Dude, cool. Yeah. Dude, what an awesome conversation! Thank you so much for hanging out and telling me these cool stories and just being on my podcast. I really appreciate it, man.
1: Yeah, gold. Cool. Thank
0: you, man. Thanks for
1: letting me get on here and ramble
0: so dude, much. dude. I'm a rambler too, but I'm a uh, I, dude. It's all about the story, man. That's all. Yeah. That's all that matters to me. So. Yeah. All right, bro. Well, uh, hopefully we'll get to hang sometime in the future. Okay? Sounds good, man. All right, buddy. Awesome. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, thank you to the listener for tuning in to this latest episode. I'd also like to thank Dusty Redmond for his time. Awesome story, awesome conversation. Thank you so much, Dusty. Um, got some amazing artists uh, on the horizon, as I always say every week, and I don't mean that as a brag. I, I'm really grateful and stoked that I get this opportunity uh, to talk to some amazing artists and people. It's amazing. Uh, add me on Instagram and Facebook if you would like, at the Rumors Are True cast. Uh, Like and subscribe if you'd like. It's up to you. Hey guys, nostalgia, man, it's a heck of a drug.